Hello, everyone. How are you? This is this must be the most difficult sharing I've prepared. So thank you for everyone that prayed for me. Um, my name is Vincent. I am one of privileged to be one of the pastors in City Reach. Before I share, I just want to ask you a question: Is there any moment in time there when you touch the soft skin of a baby? Or when you look up at the skies to see the stars, or a wonderful sunset that you know and you know in your heart that God is there. About a month ago, my wife passed away. I just show you the beautiful picture of my wife. When I first showed this photo, someone asked, "Who's this man kissing your wife?" <laughs> that was me when I have more hair. <laughs> And it was taken a few years ago, and she was diagnosed with cancer, and we have struggled for more than a year. And when someone passed away, during that time in hospital, it doesn't hit me as much because we're facing. I just want to spend every moment of my time with my wife. So the church is gracious enough to let me stay with my wife in Mary Potter, which is the palliative care place, twenty-four-seven. Uh, Every day to be with my wife, I can massage her. I can um, give her the steroid cream because of her uh, cancer in the liver. She's itchy, so every two or three hours, I have to get up at night to give her a massage and help her. And I praise God for those times. But after she passed, the emotions of losing my wife and become a widower hits me like a truck, and uh, I could be crying. In my shower, I can be driving and I have to stop because I can't see anymore. In in the car, <laughs> sorry, and I want to hide from my children as well, but it's so hard. But then, when I remember what Evelyn and I has been every day reading the scriptures, every day the Psalms. Her favorite Psalm is Psalms 23, and it. And many of you uh, know this psalms. It says, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." It basically means that the Lord, the Jehovah God, is the one that look after me. I lack nothing. And when I read it, that's uh, like when my faith really hits the road. That I've been a pastor. I've been uh, holding funeral for people. But when your wife passed away, I ask God, "Is it?" You that I need and all that I want, I want my wife back. But God, in this passage, spoke to us so powerfully, and there are many, many surprises I'm going to share with you as I open that scripture. And God is so real in my life. Three things I want to share with you. The first thing is in verse two and three. It reads, "He makes me lie down in green pasture." He liveth me besides the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. After Evelyn passed away, not only was I saddened and grieved for such a long time, I was confused. I don't know what to do. It's like the whole world have collapsed. At that time, just back a few months ago. Uh, when Evelyn was clear from cancer from the doctors, we've decided to use our life to plant the Chinese church. 
And at that time after Evelyn passed away, I said, I can't plant a Chinese church. Lord, help me. Because I can't speak Mandarin. And uh, I'm from Hong Kong. I've lived here since 83. So my English is mostly my, prime, my, my mother tongue. And Cantonese is second. And, and Mandarin is the last. And every time when there's a friend from uh, mainland China, I'll hide behind Evelyn's back and say, you can talk to them. <laughs> and I was so confused. And I even want to back off planting the Chinese church, saying to Pastor Jeff and Pastor Timon, said, perhaps we need to get another person and partner with we to plant this church. But one day, when I was sleeping, because my sleep was disturbed quite badly in Mary Porter, I woke up three o'clock at night, and God told me a story which I know a while back ago. It was a story about a group of children. They were traumatized because a terrorist rushed into a school with a gun and killed many people in the school. The kids were traumatized and they could not want to let any man that they don't know into the school. And they tried different things like hypnotherapy, medication, counseling, but none of the kids were healed. Then one day, the, norm, the teacher that teaches them were sick, so I have to bring in a TRT, a, a temporary relief teacher, to come to the house. And they, he didn't know anything about it, so he brought guns into it and played with the kids. When he bring a rifle in, the kids are screaming. They're running around. And the teacher bought some pistol guns with him as well, and he gave it to the kids. One brave lad picked up the kids, it's a water pistol, and start shooting at him. And he pretended to die. And then the other kids say, oh, it's fun. They went out and picked up more of the water pistol and shoot at him. And after that incident, all the kids are cured from their PTSD, the post-traumatic traumatic, uh, stress syndrome. They don't have it anymore. They can play uh, with guns. They can, strangers come in, they're not scared anymore. Then the psychologist knows that to cure PTSD, the best way is not medication. It's the same story, but different result. And I ask God, why do you tell me this? And all of a sudden, it dawns on me. Because one of the reasons I'm confused about planting a church is years ago, I was in a very toxic culture in churches. It was abuse. I was kind of spiritually abused, and also um, I don't feel loved by the church. But this time around, once was Evelyn was in Mary Potter, it's a total different story. Pastor Timon came with the Lord's Supper, and uh, it meant a lot for us. So thank you, Pastor Timon. And Pastor Jeff, how can I explain this man? He came to the hospital many, many times. And in his holiday with his mother in WA, he drove all the way back uh, in the middle of his uh, vocation to come back to hold the service for Evelyn. And all the elders that have been calling me Pastor Graham, and in fact, the whole pastor's team came and prayed for me in Mary Potter. It's a very humbling um, time for me. And I knew that from that, my PTSD from churches is cured. 
I was so loved by this church. Many of you have sent me cards, texts, and I'm so sorry I can't respond to you individually. I'm so touched, and I'm sure Evelyn is touched as well. And, and then I asked God, how can I plant a Chinese church without knowing the language? So I asked God, please help me. Because my sleep was disturbed, so I started listening in the middle of the night some Mandarin uh, preaching and interesting stories. At the beginning, I have to read it all the time because I have to read the subtitle. <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. But after about a week, I can understand without reading the subtitle. And I'm really excited. Then, and the following week, uh, one of my friends, she's here today, Fang Fang. She was here for the eulogy for Evelyn. So I, um, I thank her for the beautiful uh, eulogy that she made for Evelyn. And when we were talking uh, in my broken Mandarin, and she was surprised, oh, oh Vincent have improved a bit. She asked me to pray for, for her and her family. And normally, I would dodge and ask Evelyn, please pray for her. I don't have any choice because her English is not good enough. And my only choice is to pray for her in Mandarin. And this is the first time in my life to pray in Mandarin with her. And she said, and I, I said to her, I'm sorry I pray my broken Mandarin. She said, She said, very good. I can understand everything that you said. And I was so encouraged. I said to God, God, you can, with a snap of your finger, you can make me speak Mandarin. But through all the tests and the suffering, I can learn Mandarin in a real meaningful way. And I praise God for it. So this verse means so true to me that my broken heart, I was restored my soul is restored, and I can walk in His righteousness. The second surprise I have is God give me so much comfort and supply all my needs. And in the next slide, I'll read Psalms uh, 23 verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint me with all my cup overflows. Even though I walk through the deepest valley in my life, I just cry and cry for a long time. God is so true to me. So I, I decided to return back to work uh, sooner than planned. And uh, I still cried in, in the office meetings. And uh, I was prepared to go home. Now just back that a little bit a few uh, weeks, I received um, an email from Mary Potter because with all the money that's given to Evelyn's funeral, we want to channel all that to Mary Potter because they treated us so well. So the first email is we received $3,000. Thank you so much, Vincent and family. And then another week later, received $6,000 for Evelyn's uh, um, in honor of her name. So thank you so much. We've never seen this before. And then when I, before I came to uh, the office for work that day, I received another email, and it said, receive $9,800. And in my mind, I've got $200 in my pocket, and I said, I'll go in and I'll uh, put in the $200 to make it $10,000. And uh, then Leanne walked into my room, 
the bag of money. I can still remember. He said, this is left after the funeral. That's, this bag is for you. When I open this, I can't stop crying. Because this envelope and envelope of money, $50, $30, $100. And I add them up. I can't count anymore because there must be more than $1,000, $2,000 in the bag. And when I brought it to Mary Potter, the director came up and said, we've never seen <laughs> such thing in our life. After three weeks, people keep donating money. It seems it's never stopped. You must be really loved. And I said, yes, we are dearly loved by our church family. And then God really looked after us. It said, in the, in the presence of the enemy, you prepare a table for us. My daughter, Valerie, she works in Wyla. She has a four-year contract, and next year she's coming back. While she's here uh, with Evelyn in the hospital, she tried to look for different houses. And uh, most of the houses now have inflated the price. Uh, it's most, it's like she went to one in McGill. It was advertised for about half a million dollars. In the auction, it ends up $700,000, $800,000. And that's the deceased property in Gananga. We thought we'll give it a go. And uh, we know that before auction, it was sold for $1.2 million. We live in a good area, and most of the houses are over a million dollars in, in our suburb. And uh, because she comes to my house every day, so we drove past this, a small house, and it was for sale. So we walk in and have a look. It was quite run-down house, and uh, um, it was deceased property as well. So my daughter went to the bank and said, how much money can we borrow? Because both my daughter and her fiancé are teachers, so they earn quite well, but they can only borrow about half a million dollars. And so I said, I'll chip in a little bit for you, and we know how much she can offer. And when we went to the real estate, they said, oh, the, we, we have to do it on auction day, so you have to come. So that week, we were supposed to stay in Victor Harbor for a week, but my daughter called me and said, Dad, can you come and auction for the house for me? And I pray with her. I remember I pray with her. If it's God's will, we'll get this house. But uh, she can only afford so much. So I went in 11 o'clock. It's the first time I have auctioned, so I just went in early. And uh, we wait and wait. More and more people come in, came in. And at 11.25... The auction person, who is a young girl and her uh, most probably the supervisor, came and said, um, Mr. Lee, there are many offers for this house, but yours the only unconditional, and you're the only one that registered for the auction. And the price for the reserve price is that high, which is quite high, we can't afford it. But he said, how much can you afford it? And initially, I want to, as a businessman before, I thought we'll, we'll go a little bit lower, but the Holy Spirit told me that if it's too low, they, will not, uh, they would wait for the next buyer. So I told them that this is the highest offer we can get, what the bank can borrow Valerie at that time. So they walk in at 11.25, and the drama starts. We're waiting in the living room, and we can hear... Uh, 
profanity that I can't repeat here, and it's also recorded, but they just, the gist of it is that you trashed the house and it's supposed to be that price, now we have to sell it at this price. They're yelling at each other for 15, 20 minutes. And then the young real estate agent came down, very sorry, oh, sorry, Mr. Lee, can you go up a little bit higher? And I, in that moment, I know that God has given me peace. I say, no, this is it. In fact, uh, I've got another appointment at 12. Actually, I don't have it. I just want to have lunch with my son. We've been waiting since 11.30. It's supposed to be on time, 11.30. So they walked in, and two minutes later, a minute later, a lady walked out, slammed the door. The whole building can hear that, and she was like cursing. And then I knew the real estate agent came out and said, Mr. Lee, you got the house. And asked me how to do it. Just put the sign up. So when, when they have the auction outside in the garden, I hide behind a tree. <laughs> and they say, this is the reserve price. I look around, put the sign up, and within less than five seconds, one, two, three, this gentleman got the house. So we got this house for Valerie in a very, very affordable range that we've never, never expected. And then the real estate agent, the older uh, supervisor, said, Mr. Lee, I've never seen this before. I've never seen this in this suburb for this price. And it must be from God. You can say that it's psychology. But we only have a window of one week for Valerie to see that, for her to go to the bank, for me to shorten my holiday to bid, and nobody comes and get it at that price. So God is really looking after us. So praise God for it. And the third surprise is, in the next verse, it says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We understand this verse much more than David in his time. He knew it because he has been a shepherd, but we know now with Jesus dying for us on the cross, we have the eternal hope that we have in Jesus. And that's what I and Evelyn has. I can still remember the picture of her face very vividly. She said to me, Vincent, I've been seeing bright light the week that she died. And I said, God is maybe calling you. And she said, I cannot wait to see Jesus because I know that I'll be with God when I die. We share with our children. We share as many people as we can in Mary Hospice because we love to worship Lord in the chapel. We sing songs and people are crying outside. We try to close the door. They can still hear us. So when we go out, we have a chance to share the gospel with them. We went to the Lutheran track missions to get the uh, tracks and to share with them. And even the chaplain told me that, Vincent, when it's finished, uh, can you help us with uh, being a chaplain in Mary Potter? So because of Evelyn, we have many, many opportunities to share the gospel. Not only that, during the funeral, there's two things that my wife really wants before she dies. One is to see my son graduated. My son finished his university course last year. Only out of the whole class, only five can graduate. Because of COVID, most of the placement are cancelled. He's one of the few that have a private a company that can do things on Zoom, so he can finish it. So my son brought a gang, went in Mary Potter, and took photos with Evelyn before she died. 
and it's wonderful. It's just a wonderful feeling. And my son was top of his class and won award. So he can get the award and the certificate and took photo with Evelyn. If you want, if you want to see it, it's in my office. And the other thing she really wants is her salvation of her family. But there in Singapore, we are here. We try everything. Evelyn have recording to send to them, but they don't seem to be moved. And then John came along. John is the director of one of my uh, father-in-law's company. And he's a good friend of uh, my father-in-law. He came along, I'm not sure, perhaps represent uh, my father-in-law, but uh, we haven't met for 20 years. We, he went to our wedding about 28 years ago. He came to our wedding. We're good friends. He's a great guy, but we're never in contact. He came in to the funeral, and after the funeral, he texted me and said, this funeral has changed my life. I want to come to your church. So I texted him back. We sat down. We went to his house for three hours. We chat, and I invited him to Alpha course. And uh, he came, and uh, on Wednesday, I asked him to share uh, on stage his experience. And when he was... When we was talking, he asked me questions about the faith, and he felt guilty because um, his conscience really uh, get to him. I said, that's, that's normal. Before you became a Christian, or before you know God, everything we do is okay by world standards, so you don't feel too bad. But when the Holy Spirit starts moving in your heart and convicts sins in your heart, you feel bad. That's normal. If you don't feel bad after you know God, I will be worried. So I, I asked him, how, how long have you been to church? He said, 53 years. 63 years, I haven't been to church. So I asked him, have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and repented of your sin? He said, no. Do you want to do it right now? He said, yep. So we prayed and we have a new brother in Christ this week, John. So I'd love to ask John to come and share it, and afterwards I'm going to share a song with you. Thank you. As you can see, I'm a new oldie in the church here. I've been every Sunday since Vincent's wife passed away. This is not about me today. This is about God, Jesus Christ, and Valerie, uh, um, Evelyn. Evelyn... Vincent's wife and her funeral was moving beyond comprehension for me. Tears rolling down my eyes. I was in the third row there with that lovely lady sitting. And it, it just moved me beyond belief. The, this family and this woman, this was a calling card, origami. This woman helped out women who were in deep need. Women who had been badly treated by their husbands. Women who had children and were single. Older people that were needy, people who needed advice when they were migrants to come here about where they should go to get certain things and how to fill out forms. She was an absolute wonderful person in my view. She, if I know a little bit about Jesus Christ, was a beautiful follower and example of what Jesus Christ can do. That whole family is full of love. And I said in the earlier service, you don't get sad unless you know how to love. It's one of the strongest and most beautiful things in the world. I thank God that I've experienced love, beautiful love. 
and I've had six children. I'm 77 now, but I don't feel 77. I feel 45. <laughs> Pastor Jeff's age. <laughs> but I don't have a birthday. Anyway, I was amazed. This ceremony where Pastor Jeff operated it, there were speeches, there were eulogies, but Vincent got up like he did today as a pastor, a man who left his physiotherapy profession to take on and study for seven years part-time to be a, a, a disciple of God, like Pastor Tyneman. I looked at this church. I'd never been in a church like this before. Where's all the gold and silver? Where's the, where are the windows with all the wonderful uh, 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 paintings and things? This is the church, I thought. There's over 100 people, I think, here today, or maybe there. What church has 100 people? This is represented by this simple cross. I was moved. Her coffin was there. Vincent said, I'm sad. I cried today. As I come to work, I have to stop. My tears are there, I can't see. That's natural. The week after, the first service I came to on the Sunday, Pastor Tynan said, I am worried. And he was visibly moved. He was worried. He was worried about his wife who's been suffering from depression and their poor dog, who was a member of their family, was dying. I thought, this is incredible. These people are, are ministers of the church. They don't cry. God tells them not to cry. And I had lost God. I came back from Vietnam as a 27-year-old and I thought, if God created the world and he created man, Adam and Eve and he sent his only begotten son to come amongst us to preach the word of the Lord and he, he healed, healed people, children. He broke bread for 5,000 people and, and fed 5,000. He, he made wine and put it in the big containers. He walked on water. This Vincent said, whilst I'm sad and I miss my wife because she and that family were beautiful in love, that's understandable. He said, but I celebrate today. He may not said celebrate, rejoice, I think was the word he might have used. I'm saying you're rejoicing? <laughs> Come on. He said, God has a room for each of us. I thought, even me? I'm a sinner. I sat there with tears rolling down my eyes. He was rejoicing that he knew where his wife was. This woman had done, oh, I've dropped her origami, did marvellous things. How could I follow in that? I've given 20 years of service to the country, 20 years of service to state government, but I haven't really given meaningful service. I haven't given service to the maker Jesus, and Jesus Christ who came down to save us, to give us eternal life. Eternal life? I'm 77, I'm going to go in a few years. Doctor says maybe I've got 10 or 15 left, which I hope I have. Eternal life. We all come into this world as a baby and we'll all die. But eternal life, that's why Jesus died on the cross. Father Tyler told me, just between the meetings. That's new in the speech, by, by the way. And I'm thinking to myself, I think all the time, what a beautiful church, so simple. The music uplifts you. 
And I've only been in it six weeks. And I feel I'm loved. There is a lady out here. She might be here today. A lovely old lady who serves the meals. She says, come and give me a hug. I've not had a decent hug for about six years. <laughs> that is this church. These pastors give themselves, share themselves without any trappings. They are honest and open. I thought, this is a different place to the church I attended. All the robes, all the different colours, as I might say, all the bull. So I was changed and I'm continuing to be changed. When I was 14, I started reading the Bible and I was confirmed in the Church of England at Blackwood, all hallows. I went off to Dundroon, I graduated and I went to Vietnam. I saw the suffering, the futility of, of what man can do badly to hurt one another. It happens here, it's all over. Syria, Afghanistan, you name it. And I thought, surely God, having created the world and doing all those wonderful things, why doesn't he stop all of this? And in my view, my, my non-Bible uh, view, because I haven't read that part probably yet, I believe he fashioned us so beautifully as human beings. Look at us. No one can copy the movement in a hand, the body. But he gave us, God gave us individual thought, freedom of thought. We can take one path or another. Unfortunately, I took this other path too, too often. But I used God because I often prayed when I was in, when my mother died, when my father died. I went to God. So I used him. I didn't, I didn't do the right thing. I don't think I've been a bad person in my life, but I certainly haven't given back to God what I need to give. So don't be afraid to come into this church. This church is wonderful. The feeling in it is brilliant. The music. And it, look how simple it is. And that's what it's about. It's about all of you, people. People. For if we all want everlasting salvation, this is what we've got to aim for. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. The next slide is exactly what I want to share with you. Unless a kettle of wheat died on the ground, there will be just remain one seed. But when one dies, many seeds will come out. I've practiced many times without crying. So I can see John, because of Evelyn's funeral, he became a Christian. Last week, uh, uh, on Wednesday, he became a Christian. And many of my friends came to church because of Evelyn's funerals. I saw the, it's a closed YouTube. Over 700 people have seen it overseas. And many more have, have come here and uh, a lot of people see in groups the whole family. So many, many have seen the funeral. And I believe that what God has planted us and given us in the view of eternity, we're much more blessed than before. I'm going to share with you a song called I Can See. This, the story, this uh, story behind this song is about two disciples of Jesus. They were traumatized because Jesus was crucified on the cross. And they want to leave Jerusalem on the road of Emmaus. And as they were walking, they saw a stranger. A stranger that do not know, did not know what had happened. 
So they explained to him that, don't you know Jesus, the miracle worker, was crucified? And they told him that. And that stranger said, that's not something extraordinary because Jesus, before he died, have said that. And also throughout the whole scripture, it's explained that that needs to be done. And they were walking, they went to a place, and it's at night. They want him to stay behind, but he said, no, I have to go. But before he left, he broke the bread and the wine. And all of a sudden, they realized Jesus has been with them all along. And they're so glad they ran all the way back to Jerusalem and told of the story. It reminded me of my story because I was so saddened by the news of Evelyn passed away. I did not see God with me. With many stories that I've told you, God is so real in my life and I can see. And I hope that you can see that God is in your life as well. At once you come before me like I've been there all along not the stranger but the father who can sense when something's wrong and he answered all my questions and he understood my fears that somehow vanished now that He was here. Can't you see who walks with you? Can't you feel who speaks your name? Can't you feel something stirring in your heart? How His words ring strong and true Like a once familiar strain Can our paths we follow from now on Be the same couldn't bear for him to leave me so I begged him please to stay spend the evening a few moments before he went his way 
Then like a host, he stood and blessed me, broke the bread and poured the wine. Then something I knew, I recognized. Yes, I can see who walks with me. I can see who speaks my name. I can feel something stirring in my heart. How His words ring strong and true, like a once familiar strain. And I know I'll never be the same. I can see. And from that moment in time, I see this filthiness inside and all the wonder of creation shining through. And for the first time in my life, I really look into His eyes and saw eternity. And suddenly, I knew, yes, I can see, I can see who walked with me, I can hear who speaks my name, I can feel something stirring in my heart, how His words and true like a once familiar strain and I know I'll never be the same I can see I can way that you have been such a good shepherd to Vincent through this time. And thank you that you, Lord Jesus, want to be a shepherd to each one of us here today. And so, Lord, I pray now as we just talk further, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to anyone who's searching here this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, the thing about being a Christian, as you've heard today, is that being a Christian doesn't insulate you against suffering and pain and difficulty. Do you know, the question, why is there pain? Why is there injustice? Why is there suffering? It's a, it's a question that has plagued humanity for generations. Why is there pain? Why is there suffering? Why is there injustice? You know, if, you, if an alien was to arrive, and he was to come to our planet, and he was to look around, and he was to see and observe things in our planet, he would see some pretty good things. He'd see some pretty beautiful things. 
But it also sees some things that just don't make sense. Wars, conflict, injustice, unequal distribution of wealth in the world, um, pain, suffering, death. And if that alien was to say, why is this? Why is there beauty and yet brokenness in this world? What would you say? What would you say? Well, the answer that the Bible gives to this dilemma that there is both beauty and brokenness in everything is the answer that the Bible gives is the story of the Bible, is the story of the whole Bible is an answer to that question. You see, this world is not the world that God first created. The way the world is today is not the way that God created it. In Genesis 1 and 2, we read that when God created the world, He created it very good. And He created human beings in His image. He created them to relate to Him. He created them to be His rulers over creation. And He created them to spread His reign and rule over all creation. But then as we come into Genesis chapter 3, something went wrong. Something went wrong. Our first human parents, Adam and Eve. Adam, who, by the way, his name actually means man or human, and Eve name, Eve's name means mother of the living. They rebelled against God. Tempted by Satan, they took the forbidden fruit, and when they ate of that fruit, there was a tear in the fabric of reality. First, they experienced death in their relationship with God. They were separated from God. Then there was separation in their relationship with one another. And then even creation itself is now subjected to a curse. And so for every single one of us, we are living out a tragedy. We are living out a tragic story. That tragic story of Genesis 3 will be experienced by everyone in this room at some point in your life. At some point in your life, you will be stung just as, you know, when you get stung by a bee <laughs> and you feel the pain of the bee sting, at some point you will be stung by the pain of living in this fallen world, of living in a tragedy. You know, we don't like to think of it, but death will come to each one of us because we live post-Genesis 3 in a cursed world, in a broken world. But God loved humanity that much that he had a, a plan to rescue and redeem and to restore his kingdom reign and rule over all creation. And in Genesis 3 and verse 15, in speaking to the serpent, he says, I'm going to cause there to be enmity between you and the woman, between her seed and your seed. And he talks mysteriously about this one, this seed of the woman who will come eventually, this offspring of the woman who will eventually come. And he says, he will crush you, he will crush your head, Satan, but you will actually bruise his heel. So there is coming one who is born of the line of woman who will one day put an end to this fallen kingdom. Well, you fast forward in the Bible now to Genesis chapter 12, and you read about Abraham. God comes to Abraham out of all the families of the world and he says that makes these promises to Abraham that he's going to bless him, that he's going to make him into a great nation. And then he says to him this, he says, and through your offspring, all, all the nations, every single nation on the earth is going to be blessed through your offspring. 
Well, then you fast forward and you go Abraham and Abraham has Isaac and Isaac has Jacob. Jacob wrestles with God. He changes, God changes his name to Israel. And Jacob has 12 sons, which become the 12 tribes of Israel. And that becomes a nation, the nation of Israel. Well, Israel, they move down into Egypt because of a famine. And there they become in bondage in Egypt. And they cry out to God for liberation. And God sends Moses and they are delivered out of Egypt. And then God adopts Israel as his nation at Mount Sinai. And he gives them his law. And he enters into a covenant with them. He gives them ceremonial laws and civic laws. And he, and he gives them the Ten Commandments, his moral law. Well, then the nation of Israel, they move into the promised land under Joshua. And then kings are appointed over the nation of Israel. And one of the greatest kings is King David. And God says to King David, one of your offspring is going to reign over your throne forever. But then as the story continues, this fallen kingdom keeps on sort of interrupting things. You know, things keep on going wrong as humans keep on trying to live for themselves and define for themselves good and evil. And so what you have in the nation of Israel is that eventually the nation splits into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom, even though they know God and they have God's law and God has revealed himself to them, they keep on rebelling against God and idolatry and wickedness. And eventually... God has had enough and he carries them off. Well, the southern kingdom, they continue for some time, but they too succumb to wickedness and idolatry. And eventually God carries them off into exile, into Babylon. But God has mercy on them and he brings them back and they, they come back to the land. But all the time throughout the prophets, as the Hebrew prophets preach, they preach about this ultimate Messiah who will come. This one who will be of the seed of David. This one who will be Emmanuel, God with us. This one who the government will rest upon his shoulders and his name will be called Prince of Peace, Almighty God. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. This great prophetic hope that this curse that was placed over all of humanity in Genesis 3 will someday be lifted. Well, the Old Testament ends with 400 years of silence. And then an angel appears to Mary and he says, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you and what will be born in you will be of the Holy God. And Matthew says, this one who will be born will be Emmanuel. He will be God with us. And in a manger in Bethlehem, the Son of God, God of very God, steps down from heaven and adds to his divinity humanity. And they call his name Jesus. Because the name Jesus means he will save his people from their sins. Jesus grows up in relative obscurity in Nazareth, a place where nothing good came out of Nazareth. <laughs> And then at the age of 30, he is baptized by John the Baptist and the heavens are opened and the spirit descends upon him like a dove. And God the Father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus spends 40 years in the wilderness, led by the spirit, resisting the temptations of Satan. And then he comes out of the wilderness and he proclaims, 
in an assembly, a synagogue. He reads the scroll of Isaiah and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to set the captives free, to see people come to know God. And then Jesus goes around performing miracles, demonstrating that the kingdom had come in him and preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. God is going to rescue. God is going to restore. God is going to redeem. But sadly, the nation of Israel rejected their Messiah. He came to his own, John says, but his own received him not. And because he threatened the religious establishment, they, they hatched a plan of how they were going to crucify him and put him to death. And in league with the Romans, they trumped up false charges and betrayed by his good friend, <laughs> uh, Judas, betrayed, he was handed over to the Romans and they crucified him on a Roman cross. And it would have seemed like another tragedy, except Jesus had said of his death, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. See, on that cross, Jesus was laying down his life, he said, for the sins of the world. He was taking upon himself all of the brokenness of this world, all of the sin of this world, the punishment for sin, which is death. Jesus took upon himself. And in three hours of darkness, he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? as all of the wrath of God that was deserving for human sin was placed upon Jesus. And then as Jesus breathed his last breath, he said, it is finished. And he gave up his spirit. He was placed in a tomb for three days. But then three days later, you know what happened? The tomb was empty. Jesus was raised from the dead. So the death has not won, sin has not won, Satan has not won. Satan bruised his heel, but he crushed his head on the cross. And then Jesus gave his disciples many convincing proofs that he was alive. He ate with them. He said, look, look at, touch my hand, touch my side. See, I am alive. I am not just appearing to be alive. I really am physically alive from the dead, raised from the dead. And 40 days later, at the day of Pentecost, Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem for my spirit. And the spirit was poured out on the church. And Jesus said, just as I have gone into heaven, you will see me come again. I will come again and I will consummate God's kingdom. I will bring God's kingdom from heaven to earth. But meanwhile, church, meanwhile, church, you are to go in the power of the Spirit and you are to proclaim the good news. The good news that sin hasn't won, death hasn't won. You can have hope, hope, because one day, when Jesus comes back, he will consummate his kingdom. And all those who have trusted and believed in Jesus will enter in to the eternal kingdom of God. And this is how the Bible ends. Listen to this. 
John says in Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away and he who was seated on the throne said behold I am making all things new isn't that a glorious hope that is the final thing that will happen is all those who have believed and trusted in Jesus will enter into God's eternal kingdom so you see here today your story can be a tragedy In fact, all of our stories post-Genesis 3 are a tragedy. We live in a world where death reigns, where sin reigns. We live in a world where it's confusing at times. What's going on? What is going on in my life? I don't understand it. There's conflict, there's pain, there's suffering. It's difficult. That's post-Genesis 3 world. But because Jesus died and rose again, there is hope, the hope of the resurrection. There is a new world coming. A new world coming, and you can have that eternal hope today. You can have a different story today if you repent and trust in Jesus. You see, even for Christians, even for Christians like my brother Vincent, like for myself in my circumstances, like maybe in many people in this church church at this moment, maybe for Christians, it is difficult at times. We don't live, we live in an in-between time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. And so it is going to be confusing, it is going to be hard, it is going to be difficult, there is going to be loss. We are going to grieve as we go through this world. But we don't grieve as people who don't have any hope. Because Jesus died and rose again, we believe that those who have trusted in him will also be raised from the dead. Will also join God in his eternal kingdom. But only, only if you repent and believe in the gospel. What does it mean to repent? The word repentance means a change of heart and mind. It's like a deep change in your soul where you recognize, number one, I change my mind about my sin. I recognize I am a sinner. I fall fall short of God's standards and I need salvation. So I changed my mind about my sin. I changed my mind about God. I recognized that who Jesus is, what Jesus came to do. And then I changed my mind about myself. I'm no longer living to establish my own kingdom. I'm living for his kingdom. You see, there's really only two ways to live. There is to continue to live the Genesis 3 way, establishing your own kingdom, trying to live for yourself as king, but you'll only end up coming into the same problem again of experiencing the consequences of that, which is death. Death will come into your life because the wages of sin is death. That's one way to live. But there is a second way to live, a new way to live, that Jesus has opened up, where you say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for, being, for my sin. I repent of my sin, and I come before you, and I receive you as Lord and Savior. 
not because of what I do, but I'm trusting in wholeheartedly what you have done for me on the cross. And when that happens, the Bible says, you are born again. You're changed. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell you. You now have a future and a hope. It doesn't mean that things are going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that suffering will never come. But you now have a hope, the hope of the new heavens and the new earth. So I want to ask you today, what's your story? Are you still living out the tragic story of Genesis 3? Or have you come to believe the gospel? God's story of how he's rescuing and redeeming all things through his son, the Lord Jesus. Let me pray, let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your kindness to us. Lord, we, we do live in a fallen world and we have to admit the reality of that. We all experience brokenness and hardship and trials, every single one of us. But we're so thankful for the Lord Jesus who has entered into human history. He has died on the cross for our sins. He's risen from the dead and he's promised to come again and to return again and to consummate God's kingdom and all of the injustice, all of the wickedness will be taken out of this world and there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. You know, if you're here today and you want to receive Christ into your life as Lord and Savior, I'm going to pray a prayer and I invite you to pray that prayer with me right now. Dear God, I'm sorry for the way that I have sinned against you. I am a sinner in thought, word, and deed. And right now, I turn to Christ and I trust in Him as my Lord and Savior. I thank you that He is my Savior who died on the cross for my sins, paying for my sins, and that He rose again victorious. And I surrender my life into his hands as my Lord today. And I thank you, Lord, that you have made me a new person through the Holy Spirit who has been given to me. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.